My name is Hannah Crossan, and I have been attending X Church since April of 2021 with my husband and both of our children. As a child, I attended um, Christian school, and my parents took us to church regularly. Um, and as I got older, I started kind of looking back over the timeline of my life and I started to realize being perfect or my performance is kind of what made me worthy and I believe that's where my anxiety started. First, I was having panic attacks. One time when I was having an episode, uh, my heart was racing uncontrollably and I happened to be volunteering at my son's school. So I went to the school nurse and she was shocked by how fast my heart was racing. And so when I was taken to the emergency room because my heart was beating over 200 beats a minute, that's where I was told that I had supraventricular tachycardia. So after having another episode and realizing that SVT wasn't going anywhere, I made the choice to have a procedure done, and I thought this is going to be the cure. This is what's going to fix the problem. My heart's racing because I have this condition. So I had the procedure done, and I'm like, yes, I was supposed to stop this, um, my heart from going from 50, 60 beats a minute to over 200. And then when I was back into my normal life and things were getting thrown at me again, I started realizing, wait a minute, I still don't feel worthy. I still don't feel complete. And so that's when I felt this tug on my heart um, to get back to church. And my brother and his wife have attended X Church regularly. So we attended and I just slowly started feeling this overwhelming peace inside of me and I remember thinking to myself like yes I've had a procedure to slow the rate of my heart yes I'm on medication to help me feel at ease but it wasn't until I was coming to church that I was reminded that he is the great physician and if I didn't start making church and community a priority, I was never going to truly be healed. And then I got involved in an inspired circle. They wrapped their arms around me and prayed with me regularly and sent me words of encouragement. Um, and then I started serving in the nursery and I started feeling like I was a part of something. I felt like I was supposed to be here. I felt like the messages were written for me. I was going into the week with uh, peace and feeling content and not comparing myself and questioning whether or not I was worthy. We have made devotionals in our family in the evenings a priority. And this place and the relationships that I've developed have started to feel like home. Mental health is real, and I believe that medication 
and therapy can help, but there is nothing that can restore your peace like a relationship with Jesus. Man, I love hearing of how God is moving in this community. If you're new, you're wondering like, what is the heartbeat of our church? That's what we've been talking about the last several weeks. Well, that's it. The heartbeat of our church is seeing God move in people's lives, seeing their eternity change, seeing their life change with an encounter with Jesus. And that's, that's why uh, I love what God's doing in our community, amen? I just do. Hey, if you're new, I just wanna take a moment and introduce myself. My name is Tim and I'm the lead pastor here. And it's an honor that you would take time out of your busy schedules, your life, to show up here on a Sunday. In fact, this is a church, we just love to make you feel welcome if you're a first time guest. Can we do that today? Can we just make you feel, we're just so grateful for every person that's, that's here. Now, I wanna let you know though, today is a special day. Today is a little bit um, different, a little atypical from what we do on a normal Sunday. And so I wanted to take a moment and just let you know that and just kind of put you at ease a little bit today, okay? Um, we we kind of have some traditions around this church. And toward the beginning of every year, one of the things that we love to do is we love to kind of set our attention, our direction, our focus on seeking God for vision and direction for the year. And in fact, every year for the last several years, we have this tradition where we like to begin with 21 days of prayer and fasting. How many of you ever done that with us? Raise your hand if you have. Okay, a lot of you have. I think it's one of the most powerful disciplines that you could ever do in your life is to kind of choose to give up something that you normally would, would eat or whatever take and to focus on God. It actually will begin to uh, put you in tune with, with God more than ever. And so. I, I'm excited that we're gonna be doing that this coming year. On January 5th, we're gonna have a, a 21 day prayer and fasting uh, kickoff for it. Uh, by the way, it is 2023, it is the year of the GOAT, Michael Jordan, yeah, not, not LeBron James. I just need to get that out there for any of you that uh, are wrong and need to change your ways. We'll have the altar open later, you can come and for, ask forgiveness. But um, I think this next coming year can be one of the greatest years of our lives, and I really believe if you will take some time to, to really put God first, you watch what he might do in your life, okay? And so we're gonna, we love to begin the year with vision and direction, but we kind of have another tradition. We love to end the year with celebration and provision. We love to end every year looking back, reflecting on all the things that God has done in and through our church community. And so... That's why for the last several weeks, if you're new, you would have missed this, the last several weeks, we have been celebrating stories of people that have been transformed by what God is doing in and through this community. And I don't know about you, but those kind of stories just remind me, they're the fuel for my faith. It reminds me why we do what we do. We don't just go to church. If you're a follower of Jesus, we've been learning, you are the church, and I am the church. And and we have a mission that we do together. And so today, all of this has been leading up to this moment. It's leading up to an opportunity for us in response to all that God is doing in our lives to, in gratitude, to give back to God through our generosity. And so this is a tradition we've had for many, many years. Through the end of the year, during this season of giving, we, we know that we're gonna be giving gifts to a lot of different family members and friends in the next couple weeks, and you're buying gifts and all of that. We, I think it's also important that we give God a gift. 
I think it, it really does push back against kind of just falling into a real consumer mindset in this season to say, I want to honor God in this season. And so we talked about over the last several weeks what we're doing with that. We, we use it to help us really position ourselves to do ministry even more going into this next year. But we also are using it to do six incredible initiatives in and around our community, whether it's the Asheville Estates Project or foster teens that we're helping with gift cards or Driven Foundation where we're taking meals to hundreds of families to Canal Winchester Food Pantry, same thing, meals for hundreds of families, the Out of Darkness. These are some of the initiatives that we're giving to through this offering. And so I just want you to know when you give to it, you are making the difference. You are making a difference in people's lives. And, and so many of us are, we came here ready and prepared. Maybe you've been thinking about it. And so I just wanna say if you're brand new, first of all, do not feel any pressure like you have to give, okay? I just I wanna, this is a family thing, okay? Uh, if you want to, that's fine, but you just don't feel like you need to. This is a free will offering. This is us um, giving back to God because of all he's done for us. And so I just, I want you to, to feel at ease about that, but I also think there's something really cool about stepping into an environment where you see hundreds and hundreds of people giving to what God is doing, giving to these ministries, giving to these outreach. There's something that will kind of spark something in you, in your faith. There's something about not just hearing people talk about their faith, but seeing it in action that really will imp impact your life. And so it's gonna be an incredible day today. For those of you like me that have been preparing for this moment, I, I wanna just admit something. I don't know if you feel this tension, but I feel this tension in moments like this, that I struggle to know what to do on days like today. Like when it comes to giving to God a tithe, the, the first of my increase and giving back to God, I gotta be honest, it's not, I, I've been doing it so long, it's not a struggle for me, it's just, it's like I would, I just would never not do it. And I, but when you have moments where it's like, hey, if God speaks to you, give something. I just want to admit something. I struggle with that because I'm like, all right, praying. I'm asking God, God, what would he want us to do? And I'm like, I, I don't know. And I wish there was like some kind of magical voice that would, you know, out loud would tell me. I wish there was a hand that would write it on the wall for me. That doesn't happen. I just get these, I just got, I don't know. Should I give this much, God, or this? That would be a lot. I don't know if I should, ah, but this much. I just, I don't know. And I asked my wife and she's just like, I don't know. What do you want to do? I'm like, I don't know. I wanted you to tell me, you know? I, I don't know if you feel like this, but I struggle when there's this idea of, yeah, give if, as God leads you. And I, and I get that. I think there's a tension inside of all of us for it. But here's what I, this is my heart for this moment. I want to give in a way that matches all of the ways God has blessed me, especially this year. Like when I was processing this, I was like, okay, do I just, okay, I'll just give, you know, here's, you know, a certain amount of money. But then I started thinking, wait, wait, wait. I want to give in a way that reflects the ways that God has blessed me and my family this year and a way that also reflects my faith. That I don't want to just do it, you know, just, I'm just going to throw up a number and, well, this won't be too much and this will be, won't hurt us too badly and we can get it crazy. I didn't want to do that. And so I was wrestling with it. And here's what I know to be true for all of us. It's different. We're all in different places. We all have something different to contribute to God's kingdom. And I've noticed this. It's different for each of us. And that's okay. Okay? There, it's just the way God will speak to each and every one of us and the place in life and the season and the opportunities he's given all of us, they're different. 
And I wanna share just a short message with you before we're gonna continue to worship and prepare. But I wanna show you something that Jesus speaks to when it's different for all of us. It's found in Matthew 25. And so I wanna show you this story. It's a pretty familiar story if you've been around church. But in Matthew 25, Jesus speaks to the differences in all of us. And here's the thing. Though we may not all have the same means in a moment like this, we do all have the same opportunity. And I, wanna, I wanted to show you this, this little story. It's a parable that Jesus told, Matthew 25, starting in verse 14. Jesus said these words. He said, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on a journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work, and he gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag, notice what he did, he went off, he dug a hole in the ground, and he hid his master's money. Now I wanna pause there for a moment. My guess is that probably, if you've been around church, you've heard this story before. If you're new, let me just tell you, Jesus loved to talk in what's called parables. They're stories that he would make up, okay, the characters, imagine a fictional story, but it really is telling a real truth. It's reality. It's a reality of, of God and of us and our lives in his kingdom. And so this is one of those stories. And every time I see a parable, I always ask this question, who are the people in the story? Who do they reflect? Who do they represent? And it's very clear in this story, Jesus tells that the master is God, okay? I'll just make it real easy. Master is God. The master is the one who has all the money. And the master takes, and he's going away on a journey, and so he divvies up his money to three different servants that he's gonna leave it to, right? One gets five, and one gets two, and one gets one. And he's leaving, and he's entrusting it to them. And so here's what I understand right off the bat. The master, God, the servants, that's us, right? Now, here's the truth that I hope all of us will get even out of this story. And that is this. We forget this sometimes. I do. I forget sometimes that all that I have actually really belongs to God. It's on loan from God. Do you know that? Everything that you and I have is on loan from God. Now, I know some of you in your mind, you're going, oh, you're going to fight back on that. You're like, well, no, you don't understand. Like, I, I put myself through school, and I paid for it. And I, I work these jobs, and I work all these extra hours, and we've been saving money. Everybody's spending what we saving. And we bought this house, and we fixed it up, and we did all this, and it's worth this much money. I know, I know, I know, I know. We have a tendency to think it's all ours. But what we don't realize is that it's not really, really yours unless you can keep it. You're like, well, no, 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 it's mine. It's got my name, my name's on the deed. I understand. But there's a phrase in the Bible that I think is so true of life when you, when you get a little bit of a bigger perspective, right? And that is, it says that naked you came into this world and naked you're leaving this world. I know they might put some nice outfit on you when they stick you in the casket and put you in the ground, but that doesn't matter. It won't go. Naked you came into the world, guess what? Naked you leave the world. You know what that means? When you showed up, you had nothing to your name. You were solely dependent on your parents. You're solely dependent on others for your existence. 
And when we leave this world, guess what? You don't get to take it all with you. So here's what this means. You might have it in your possession for 70, 80 years, but you gotta leave it to someone else. You say, well, I gave it to them. That's great, they don't get to keep it. They're gonna eventually die. It stays here. What does it mean? It's God created all this, and it's his. And I think sometimes I forget that all that I have, because I work so hard, is actually on loan from God. It's what he, the master, entrusts into our care. You and I are stewards. We're the servants. And he gives different amounts to different people. Sometimes I read that and I get kind of upset. Sometimes I think, man, God, you should be, you should be more fair. Like, why would you give one five and the other one? It just seems like, okay, this doesn't seem, you know, and I always, let's be honest, and I always feel like the guy who has one. You ever feel like that in the story? You're like, man, there's other people. They got a whole lot more than I do. I'm the guy with one. I think sometimes we actually forget how much the, the one bag of gold was worth. Now, if you um, maybe grew up in church or you heard this story told, there's a word that, that is used in some translations, and it's the word talent. You ever heard that? Uh, that one got five talents, and one got two talents, and one got one talent. I actually appreciate that like the NIV changes that, because when most of us hear the word talent, we think about, oh, she can tap dance really well. Uh, she's got a talent. You know, he can sing. Man, I wish I could sing like he can sing. You know? He's really good at business. She's really gifted at that. But that's not what the story was told. That's not really how it goes. The word talent really comes from a monetary term. Okay, It means worth or value. And so we have adapted that to be like, well, I have gifts and skills that's worth money and I can make money. That's, that's great. But in their day when Jesus told this story, can I just tell you, this was a shocking amount of money that the master left the servants. One talent, by the way, was worth about 75 pounds of gold. How many of you would like it if somebody would just give you one bag? Hello, I'll be okay with one bag. One bag, 75 pounds of gold. Now, that would be a lot of money anytime. By the way, I looked it up. What would 75 pounds of gold be worth today? Guess how much it would be worth? 1.963 million dollars. Almost $2 million. So before you feel really bad for the guy who only got $2 million, he got nearly $2 million, okay? Sign me up, God. I'll take the one bag if you want to. I'm okay with that, right? And so here's what we need to understand. This is a shocking amount. The master is very generous, and he gives one guy five bags of gold worth almost $10 million, right? He gives one guy two bags of gold worth almost I was just curious if anybody could do the math. Is that that hard? Okay, $4 million. And one guy gets almost $2 million, and we see what they all do with it. Now you'd think, man, if I had five bags of gold worth $10 million, I could turn a big profit on that. But we see that they all responded differently to what the master entrusted into their care. And the guys with five and two put it to work and doubled it. The guy with one buried it. Eventually, the master comes back. Let me, let me read to you what happens when the master comes back in verse 19. It says, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. I mean, he didn't have to do that, right? He could have said, hey, here's your five. Whew, good thing I earned five on that. No, he brought it all back to him. 
He said, Master, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. Look at his master's reply, verse 21. Well done. What does he say? Can you say those next couple words with me? Well done, good and faithful servant. Maybe you've heard that phrase before, right? It's the whole thing. Man, when I get to heaven, I want God to say good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. A few? It's almost $10 million. Okay. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Now, for sake of time, I'm going to skip the next one. The, the guy with um, two bags that turned into four, same conversation, word for word. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. Come and share in your master's happiness, right? Then we get down to the guy who had one bag of gold. Look at verse 24. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I, I knew that you're a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. You should have done something with it. Look at verse 28. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That seems a little strong. I'm going to be honest with you. This is a, a fascinating story that I think sometimes I, I wrestle with. Like, how do I, how do I understand this in my life, in my context? And we get one guy who has five, and one guy gets two, one guy gets one. And I, I tend to find that I, I a lot of times go through life feeling like the guy with one. But it's only because I'm always comparing myself with people who have more. Have you ever noticed that's the only people we compare ourselves with? Do you know that there are billions of people in this world that would look at you and me and say, they got five bags, I only got one. And so I actually, as I was looking at the comparison in the story, I see that the, the guys with five and two, they each doubled it. The guy with one, he buried it. And it almost seems like it was prophetic. It was foretelling because otherwise, maybe that's why the master only gave him the one. And every time I look at the story, I often think about capacity. Right? We hear it's like according to their ability and Whenever I, I hear this, I always think, okay, well, maybe my capacity isn't quite someone else's. And I think what we do in this story is we often compare our skill and our ability at, at maybe turning money, making a profit. And I look at other people who've started businesses that are worth millions, and I go, I, I guess they're a five-bag person. I don't, I don't have that ability. They're a two-bag person. I don't have that ability. And we often think that God's blessing, when we look at this story, you can be tempted to think that God's blessing, the master's blessing, is contingent on your capacity. I heard that. I, I understand a little bit of capacity. I started to think about this from a new perspective this week. What if? I'm just asking. What if in this story, the reason why the master gave out different amounts wasn't about their capacity 
in business, their capacity to invest a lot, their capacity. What if it wasn't about their capacity, but what if it was about their character? You ever thought about it that way? The reason why I say that is because of the master's response. What does the master say to the two guys that doubled it? What, what does the master say? He says, well done what? Say it out loud if you know it. Good and? Now, now, now that doesn't sound like, oh, hey, man, you know the market really well. Uh, well done. Thank you for putting these monies into good investments. Hey, well done. Good job at starting that business. Well done. Good job at like really turning profit, increasing your margins. No, 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 no. He doesn't use terms like that. The master says, well done, good and faithful. Good and faithful. That sounds more like character than capacity to me. He's looking at these two guys the same. And he's saying, you were faithful to do good with what I gave you. You were faithful to do good. that, That changed things for me. What if he wasn't just looking at their business acumen, but he was saying, you've got character, real integrity. I can trust you, good and faithful Sir, now contrast that with the one guy who buried it. The one guy who buries it. What did, the, what did the master say to him? What did he call him? I don't know if you noticed that. He called him wicked and lazy. Now, now I was seeing this lined up next to each other. I've never noticed this comparison, contrast. Good and faithful, wicked and lazy. Good and fa- That's character. These are character things. Good and faithful, wicked and lazy. He was so lazy that he didn't work hard, but it wasn't just that. He called him wicked. Now, I, I realize every time I look at this story, I'm like, okay, I don't know if any of you feel this. That feels a little extreme. I mean, the guy, it doesn't say he's going out partying. It doesn't say that he's wasted it in, in uh, frivolous living. It doesn't say that he's got these addictions now. It doesn't say, like, it doesn't say he's living a sinful life at all. And yet the master calls him wicked and lazy? It just seems, I gotta be honest, I always felt like this seems a little bit harsh, doesn't it? What if, though, could I just maybe give you a different way of viewing this? Because I feel like God was showing me new stuff in this story I've never seen before. What if in God's eyes, whenever we do not do good with what God has given us, it's wicked to him? What if every time God says, I entrusted this to you? I gave you resource, I gave you opportunity, I gave you the ability, I gave you the mental capacity, I gave you that ability, and you did not do good with it. What if that's also considered wicked to God? I was like, whoa, that's, that's deep. See, I, I want to be the kind of person that God can look at my character and say, I could trust him with more. I bet you do too. God, if you're, if you're blessing, I'm like, okay, I, I'd love for you to. And see, the, the problem is, is that some of us in our, our journey have not matured enough to understand this and to step out in faith and trust God. And it is a maturity thing. I heard a pastor say this recently, and I've never thought of it in this way, but I thought it was a beautiful picture. The spiritually immature person is always asking and questioning if they can trust God. If you wanna know kind of where you are in your spiritual like 
Listen, you could have been around church for 35 years. I don't care. That doesn't mean. You could be a toddler spiritually for 35 years. And, and if you want to know what a, a spiritual toddler looks like, is everything they're asking, can I, can I trust God? Like, how, you're asking me to forgive this person that's hurt me so deeply, and I just don't know that I can release them because that doesn't seem fair, God. It doesn't seem like there's justice being served. It doesn't seem like you're going to take care of everything. And yet God's saying, no, I want you to forgive because I've forgiven you, and it's actually going to free you. You see, whenever we go, I don't know if I can trust God with doing it, it actually reveals that we have spiritual immaturity. The same is true with the resource and the wealth God's given us. Whenever we're saying, I don't know if I can trust God with the tithe because I know I hear miracles that happen and I know I've heard testimonies in our church and I know I've heard stories of people that have just said God has just blessed them in ways that they couldn't even imagine was going to happen when they trusted God. I don't know that I can trust God. I don't know if he's trustworthy. That's what a spiritually immature person says. And if you're brand new to faith, that's okay. I understand. That's why we're here as a community to help you grow. But then he said this. Here's how you can know when someone's now mature. They flip it around and they ask, can God trust me? Can God trust us? That's maturity. And I wonder if even in like moments like we have today, this is an opportunity. It's an opportunity for us who are part of this church home to say, I want to give to God and into his kingdom, what he's doing in our community. Maybe for the first time, maybe you, do, you don't give. Maybe, maybe this idea of giving has just never been a part of your life and your journey. And the spiritually maturing person says, can God trust me with that resource? Like the master who gave the bags of gold. And can, can God trust you with the resource that he's put into your hands? Can God trust you with the gifts and the talents that he's given you to serve others? Can God trust you in these kind of moments? Can God trust me? See, I, I think I, as I look at this story over and over more and more, I'm starting to think it's not capacity that determines God's blessing. I wonder if it's our character. I wonder if it's our trustworthiness. I wonder if God uses moments like this to test us and say, I wanna, I'd love to bless you even more. I just want to know, can I trust you with what I've already given you? I see that, by the way, over and over in Scripture. Jesus said, he said, whoever can be trusted with little will be given more. And he also said, whoever is not trustworthy with worldly riches, there ain't no way I'm going to trust him with greater riches than that, heavenly riches. And so I'm starting to realize that maybe it's about character. Maybe it's about trustworthiness. Maybe moments like this is God saying, can I trust you? Because if I can trust you, I will get it through you. I'll, I'll cause it to flow through you. And so in moments like this, I, I'm really left with wrestling. God, what do you want me to do that matches your blessing in my life, but also the faith that I want to live by? Because here's what I don't want to be. I don't want to be like the guy who had one bag. I don't want to be like that guy. Because the master got really upset. What did he do, by the way? He took a shovel. He didn't even put it in the bank and earn interest. He didn't put in any kind of safe investments. You could have at least done that. And he digs a hole in the ground and he buried it. Now, here's, here's why we bury things, right? We bury things to preserve them 
We bury things to hide them. We bury things so that one day we'll go and retrieve it for ourselves. That's why we bury things. And what I, I never really noticed before is here's this guy who, who buried it. And the moment the master began speaking to him, he started talking about seed. That was odd because here the guy buries it in the ground. But now the master's like, you, you know that I, I harvest where I do not sow. You know, and he starts, he said, you should have at least scattered the seed. But you buried it. And I, and I, I got this new picture that, that maybe when it comes to moments like this, this to this one servant, I wonder if he's saying, you buried it when you should have planted it. You buried it when you should have planted it. What, what does that mean? Well, when you bury it, I'm going to get it back. I know where it is. I'll retrieve it for myself. But when you plant something, when you put seed in the ground, here's what you do. You release it. You're right? You let go of it. I'm, not to, I'm letting go of the seed. I'm putting it in the soil, but I'm letting go of it. It's not mine anymore. I'm giving it to the back to the soil, right? But I'm doing it with an expectation that something is going to grow. When God gets involved in the process, something is going to grow out of it, and it's going to produce a harvest that is greater than the seed that I put in the ground. Could it be that when we come and give God an offering, it's like God saying, ah, now you're planting it. You could sit on it and bury it, or you could plant it. And every time we plant in fertile soil of God's kingdom, guess what we get to harvest? Change lives. That's why over this series, we've got to hear from Paige, whose life was radically transformed by the gospel in this community. We got to hear from Julie, whose life was changed. We got to hear Hannah's story today, who was impacted and changed. I mean, these are just some of the stories. We, we got to hear about what God's doing through the prison ministry of people who are investing and sowing seeds. I mean, we have got to hear all of these stories of what God is doing. We got to hear about Corey's story and Sergio, what God is doing in their life. And, I, and the reason why I say that is because I, I want you to know the reason why I and my family, why we will plant here is because God's working here. In fact, we have a, another story that I want to share with you today because I, I just wanted us to be reminded of the harvest. I want us to be reminded of why we do what we do as a church. There's a story of Derek and Lisa whose life was just radically changed. Their marriage changed because of what God's doing in and through this community. Take a look at their story. Hi, my name is Lisa Holloway, and I grew up in a home where church was a part of um, life, but there was a lot of hypocrisy within that. So a lot of, you know, we would go to church and hear one thing, and then maybe we would come home and other things would happen. From there, I led a kind of normal life. Um, at a very young age, though, at about six or seven, I was also introduced to pornography, um, and I kept it very hidden because I was very ashamed of it, and it really kind of shaped how I did life from there. Um, I found my value and my self-worth in what I could do sexually, how I looked. I married young, and the foundation was rubble to begin with. Um, we dated on and off in high school. Um, we got married and there was signs of 
each other being unfaithful and just it was a it was a reality show and there were days where I felt the weight of the world to the point where um, there were suicidal ideations there were times where I was like this is it I'm done I can't do this and so my mom came to North Carolina and she picked me up um, so I'm back in Ohio I'm starting fresh after a divorce hoping for a new foundation um, and I met Derek Hi, my name's Derek Holloway, and uh, my life used to look a lot different than it does now. Um, when I was young, I was uh, touched inappropriately uh, by an older kid. I didn't um, understand the severity. Um, I always carried the memory with me, uh, but it was very hazy. Um, I'm like, did this, you know, really happen to me? Um, from there, um, I was raised in a home that uh, Jesus wasn't part of the house. Um, we didn't go to church. Um, my mom, she bought a bar, probably, I don't remember how old I was, maybe a, a teenager. Um, and, and then that led to uh, me being curious about drinking, um, gambling, um, drugs. And then I carried that with me, my porn addiction, and you can say a sex addiction with me, uh, all the way up until my marriage with Lisa uh, when I was 23. So we got married in 2018, the summer of 2018. Um, things were full speed ahead with Derek and I. Um, we started dating, we moved into a home, had a child, many moves from there, had another child. Um, I never fully healed from the first marriage and I was carrying all of that with me to the next step. And from there, after being together, having two children together, we decided let's get married. Um, after we got married, um, I continued to struggle with my addictions. Um, so I continued to seek outside of the marriage um, when we were together. Um, and I continued to gamble. Ended up losing a significant amount of money. I thought she, I thought I had told her how much we had invested. Um, and apparently I, I didn't and I told her and it led to an argument. From that point, I knew we had to come to church, find a community. Um, I was looking for a church uh, that had the same feel as the church that I went to uh, growing up, which to me only had one thing. Uh, it was five minutes from my house and the ex fit that bill. Um, so we started to go there and I was in search for something that would maybe change the trajectory of my life. Uh, the first uh, Sunday that we came, um, it was part of the soul work. Um, and the message that Tim was preaching on was uh, generational curses. And Tim's enthusiasm and excitement really spoke to me, and I enjoyed it. And it's the first time that I ever enjoyed church. After that first Sunday, um, I decided, I remember saying I wanted to go back. And I remember praying, God, give me a sign. Um, as I started to focus on God more and come to church. It was just like I had been woken up. You know, my eyes were open to the world. I was blind, like I was blind and now I see. Um, and I couldn't explain it. Like I knew that I had been freed. Um, so we leave the service that day, we go home. Um, I'm out back watering uh, my new Arbor Vitae's and I can't get out of my head that I gotta go back to the church and start my next test. So I went there, um, signed up, and they were like, hey, I want you to meet somebody. 
Um, and it was Tim. You know, I, I talked to Tim and and told him that the message really spoke to me. And as we were getting ready to, to walk away, he's like, hey, give me a hug. And that day was the day that I put my faith in, in Jesus Christ. Um, as the Holy Spirit continued to, to work on me, um, he started to convict me of things that I have done in my past to my wife. Um, so I, I confessed not knowing what the consequences would be or what would happen. So from that point, I really stopped taking the responsibility of everyone else and really focused on my relationship with Christ. Um, and in turn, that turned me into the wife that I always wanted to be. After she forgave me, um, I believe God um, used her to show his grace to me. Um, I was able to join um, a group uh, at X Church that uh, is specific for people that struggle with lust or por pornography. Um, Jared Carr, he's been amazing. Um, he's a great leader. Um, there, guys, there is a place at the X Church for you to go. Um, you're not alone. Uh, I'm so thankful for what Christ has done in my life. He's um, He showed me who I am in Him um, and that I am forgiven, that I am loved. My marriage has been stronger. Um, I'm growing in my faith. My relationships are authentic and I am so thankful for um, my journey, what I found, my relationship with God and the X. There's freedom in Christ. Yeah. Thanks so much for tuning in to this message. I hope that it encouraged you and inspired your faith. If God is doing something in your life, would you take a moment and let us know? We wanna connect with you and we wanna be able to pray for you. All you have to do is shoot us an email to hello at the x.church or you can always send us a DM on one of our social media platforms. And if you know somebody that would also be encouraged by this very message, why not take a moment and just share it with them right now? And as always, I wanna say thank you to every single person who so generously financially supports this ministry so we can continue to get messages like these out to people all over the world. We believe God is building something special and you're a significant part of it. Until next time, have a great day.